Welcome back to New to Medical Device Sales. I am your host, Jacob McLaughlin, and I'm so excited to come to you today because I have, first off, an amazing guest who's going to bring so much insight and so much knowledge to you guys. I just can't wait. And then second of all, because I finally finally finished my book. For everyone who's been asking me, I've been receiving a bunch of calls, texts, emails about you know wanting to learn more about what I did to break into the world of medical device sales. And instead of having hundreds of calls each month, I decided I'll make a book and it goes into detail of everything I did. I include my business plan. I include messages that I sent. I include everything I did through the process and also talking more about the process to help you guys break in. So that is now officially live. I have put the link in the description. It is new to medical device sales. Uh, you guys can find this if you're watching on YouTube. You can find it in the link uh, below or on the podcast. If you guys look in the description, it will be there as well. If you guys are watching on YouTube, please press that like and subscribe and listening on the podcast. A five-star review helps us reach more people to have impact and get into this great career. But going forward, we have Ricky Fela on today, and Ricky is a, currently a district manager. He was a field sales trainer. He was a rep of the year and rookie of the year, coming in with a bunch of knowledge. He has been in the industry for five years, and he's about to bring so much knowledge to our listeners. So, Ricky, thanks for jumping on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've, I've watched a few of the podcasts, and I, I love what you're doing. I, I wish I had a resource like this when I was trying to get in, so... Awesome stuff, man. I appreciate that, man. And and for everyone listening, Ricky was one of the first guys who actually met me for coffee uh, when I was trying to break in, and he just gave me such great tips. and And honestly, uh, he'll he'll dive deeper into his background, but he was a personal trainer, and I was a personal trainer, and so you know he was able to talk to me about that part, and then talking about what he does in medical device sales, which just got me super excited and also gave me some great resources. So I wouldn't be here without the help of people like Ricky. And I just, Ricky, again, thank you so much, man. And I'm excited to just dig deep into your life to help these listeners. Absolutely. Awesome, man. So like I said, you're a personal trainer. The cat's out of the bag. I already said it, right? That's what we had in common. And can you just kind of tell us, you know, what you were doing before you broke into medical device sales, kind of the the timeline of that, and then why you decided medical device sales? Yeah. So when I was going to college, um, I looked for something I enjoyed doing while I could be at school and making good money. And at the time, personal training really jumped out. Um, I was a former athlete and loved working out myself. So I, I thought it was a win-win career at the time. So I started doing personal training, I think my sophomore year after I got accredited uh, through the year following college. And I loved doing it at the time, but after doing it um, about a year after school, I started realizing how much I didn't like the split shifts of going in at 5 a.m., maybe working through 11 and having a, a midday break and going back working with clients from, you know, five to nine o'clock at night, having a split day and feel like I was never home. And uh, after that, I, I realized after talking to some friends and realizing some of the top trainers at my gym were leaving to, to go to medical sales jobs. And I was, I was just always wondering to myself, like, you're the top trainer here. Why, why would you be leaving for another job? And, and just try to digging into what medical sales was because going into school, I, I didn't even know it was a career. I didn't feel like I was a salesperson at all. But after digging in and talking to some friends who were in the industry uh, for a few years, it really intrigued me to 
to look that way. I love that, man. And that's one thing, you know, even for me, like we talk about, right, is that split shift, the, the wake up at four, train clients till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, get your own workout in, maybe get a little nap in or chill for some downtime, then you're back at it at three till eight or nine o'clock. It's great. You know, like, and again, it's a fun job. Uh, I'm kind of with you though. I started looking at like, Hey, what's my life look like in five, 10, 15 years, you know, do I want to be doing this if I had a family married um, with that? But also, like you said, the opportunity, you know, the thing I've learned is you don't think of yourself as a salesperson, but like as a personal trainer, you're selling yourself every single day, every you, know? day. you know, and you're trying to get your clients to come back. And so I think that's amazing that, like you said, you didn't know, if you were a salesperson, but now that you got into it, you're, you're a very good salesperson. Um, so it's awesome just to kind of see, see you switch into that role. And the thing I do want to just touch on with that, as you went from like not knowing, and um, it was just when you're the best at like personal training, right? I was, I did pretty well too. And I was just like, but what if I was the best at this thing? You know, and, you know, that was always my thing was also looking at salary, right? If I was right. the 1% of personal trainers compared to if you're in the 1% of medical device sales rep, it's a different lifestyle uh, for sure. So I love that you just touched on that. So bringing us in there. So you decided medical device sales. Then from there, can you kind of go tell us uh, more about the division you're in? Because this is why I'm really excited to have you. Your division is something we haven't had here on the show. And I don't think a lot of people know much about. Yeah, absolutely. So I work for a, distri a large distributor. Uh, we service the continuum of healthcare. So we have different divisions covering hospitals, nursing homes, physician clinics, outpatient surgery centers. Um, I specifically work with the surgery center outpatient division. And right now it's, it's a booming division because there's a lot of, with, especially now with COVID, there's a lot of cases moving from the hospitals to an outpatient setting uh, for two reasons, the lower costs and, and better patient care. Yep. And reimbursements on specific procedures are now being re reimbursed outpatient. Uh, so there's a big movement. A lot of physicians are, you know, trying to start their own business and use their own surgery center to to get a bigger profit than than say the hospital taking some of their income. So that's the division I cover, and it's uh it's awesome. I love it. I I have over 100 counts. So I'm I'm always in a new center, seeing new faces every day, and it's uh it's awesome. I love that, man. And and for the listeners out there that are uh, maybe brand new, when he's talking about that, like, can you kind of tell us about maybe your products? Um, are you selling a device or what, what does that look like for what you're selling to this, these surgery centers? Yeah. So I, I always like t t talking to customers or anyone I talk to about what I do is we're almost like the Amazon of the healthcare world. We're a, a manufacturer and a distributor. So we, we make our own product lines across almost every prime category that would be sold in a healthcare setting. And then we also distribute like Amazon or, or any distributor, other companies' products um, as well. So we, we have both in our bag. We, we like to feel like we're a one-stop shop for, for a facility and what they need and we can source any item. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, and that's what I was going to say. That's what I love about it is, you know, um, compared to like for everyone listening, like myself, I might have a device that I'm selling one, you know, maybe I have six things in my bag and that's 
this is what I sell. This is my division compared to Ricky. Ricky's not like that. Ricky is the one-stop shop for a hospital from everything that you can think of that they're using at the hospital just to do day-to-day things. That's what they're getting from Ricky. And, and that's, I think it's amazing because, you know, you're now everybody becomes a client because you have what they want. So I love that part of it. And then Ricky, so going from there in that division, uh, can you kind of tell us how you broke in, how you went from being a personal trainer to getting into this division and breaking into medical device sales? Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely tough. I think, I think for most people that you've probably had on here, it's, it's definitely a, a long process, a lot of interviews, a lot of people telling you, at least for me, it was, um, you're underqualified. You don't have the sales experience. Um, just overcoming the objections and and selling myself and updating my resume, talking to, I really let let on a lot of my clients who were successful that I was personal training at the time mm-hmm. to help me with like making my resume stand out, asking what they look for when they're hiring um, for for roles in their company, and that was a, a big benefit. But I probably submitted over 150, 200 applications, maybe 50 interviews. Um, and I actually am with the same company that the first company that gave me an opportunity and it's, it's been that. awesome since. And ever since they brought me on, I just wanted to prove that, you know, I, I was the right person they should have hired and, and always wanted to prove myself. And yeah, that was, that was kind of how I got in. I talked to a lot of friends. One of my good close friends was working for um, Synthes. Yep. Drama. So he, he led me a lot of advice on interview questions, uh, what to say, what not to say, um, just kind of gave me a little insight on the, the job, even though trauma is completely different than what I do now. Um, I, I learned about, you know, the potential income and commission base and competitiveness. And I, I thought it aligned with exactly what I wanted. I knew I didn't want to be at an office nine to five every day. And yep. And, and making your time work for money and all that good stuff. But the one thing I do want to touch on for everybody is you didn't get it on your first try. You didn't get it on your second try. Like that. And I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we talk about on here all the time. It's a roller coaster, man. Like there's one day you get a call for an interview. You're like pumped, jacked. And then the next day they're like, we're going with someone else, you know, like that's the way of the world. But the reason I say that to everyone listening is I have people reach out to me. I know Ricky has people reach out to him and it's like, Hey, I reached out to four people and I haven't gotten an interview yet. You know, I don't have any traction. Like it takes a lot. And especially, I think, I don't know your experience, Ricky, like for me, like you said, kind of the underqualified quote unquote, but like for me, my resume, every interview I went to, they told me, Hey, your resume stinks. Like you, cause you don't have the traditional B2B sales. Like I could put the sales number for my personal training days, but they didn't consider it. So I would love to kind of hear what you might've done to kind of stand out in the interview process with not having the sales experience. Yeah. I think at first, when I first started applying, I was right out of college. I think my resume like highlighted my, my good grades and the, the gym I worked at and maybe how many clients I was seeing a day, but it didn't really have numbers or, or rankings, um, which or anything that really made me stand out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what hiring managers are looking for and companies are managed for. They're looking for numbers, like a, a path of success, um, constant success. So I, I tweaked that and, you know, looked at my quotas that I had at the gym and applied that in my resume, really highlighting uh, the most successful timeframes at the gym. And, and I think that really helped at least get me the interview. And then from the, having the interview, just making the 
the hiring manager know that you know I was the right candidate. And even though I I lack experience, that um, you know my worth ethic and my ability to learn and be be coachable would would trump you know anyone's few years of experience of just the hard work. I love that, man. That's, and that's exactly what I did. That was my card I played um, being a personal trainer. And I think that's one thing people in the fitness world might kind of have a, a hand up on is talking about work ethic. Like when you're saying you're waking up at 4 a.m. and you're working till nine o'clock at night, like you're showing already that like, hey, I'm having to do this to make money. I eat what I kill, as they say in the sales world, but it's showing that your work ethic. And that was one thing I always told people. And, and I tell people every single day they call me is you, you uh, talk is cheap and you just have to have like the work ethic. And, and my thing was always like, I'm not going to let, first off, I'm not going to let someone who takes a chance out on me down, but I'm not going to let myself down. Uh, once I get that opportunity in. And, and also I love that you're with the same company because if you guys don't know, medical devices known for job uh, jumping, you know, people are with a, with a company for three, four years, and then they jump to another one for a different division or something like that. So I love that you're still with the, the first company that gave you a shot and you're, you've had so much success, you know, like we talked about, you were a rookie of the year, you were a rep of the year, then you went to field sales trainer. Can you kind of just give us a little insight of like what it looked like for you? Like once you first broke in uh, what you thought it was going to be like, but then also what you did to help, help help you hit rep of the year rookie of the year and all that good stuff yeah absolutely when I first started I remember just being like extremely overwhelmed we sold so many different products um I had so many different customers at first I started as an inside sales rep Mm -hmm. out of our corporate office so I was just doing over the phone sales for the first year Um, but looking back I think that really helped me learn the company learn our products before you know getting thrown out to the wolves and in the outside rep world. Um, so I, I worked out of Chicago for the first year and I just remember always feeling like my back was against the wall. I was worried about like screwing up on a, on a role play at one of our local trainings or, you know, screwing something up and getting let go. So I always just felt like I needed to produce and like show up every day and have a plan and, and control what I can control. Yeah. most part. I love and, that. Uh, after the first year, I feel like I still didn't know what I was doing. It probably took almost two years until I really felt like, okay, I, I understand how to run this business and, and how to be successful. And uh, a territory opened up in Phoenix. So I, it was about double the territory size at the time. So I, I didn't know anyone out here. I, I decided to stay within the company, take the opportunity. I love it. And once I got out here, it was just uh eye-opening to the opportunity that the company had to grow and it just needed someone like hungry like myself that was going to put in the time and and, and show the customers that we're, we're a great company and they just may need to see a, a rep that's going to take care of them and, and get them what they need and then and go after company competition business. Uh, yeah. So that led me into my first year in outside sales here in Phoenix. I love it. And a little different weather than the good old Midwest, as we both know. <laughs> That's why yeah. I don't go back much. Um, but yeah, and I love that. And now can you can you tell us, like, dive deep into, like, what's the difference between a, a rookie of the year or a rep of the year and just a rep? You know, like, and, and this is just a learning part for me, too, right? I'm only three months in. I'm learning. I love to hear, you know, success leaves clues and what and what you did to be successful to earn those honors. Yeah, so it's it's funny. They always say, um, rep of the year, you can only win it once. So you have one, one shot to win it. But, um, I feel like rookie rep of the year, you don't have as many reps you're competing against. 
say a company might hire 20 new reps in a, in a year. So you're, you're going against 20 reps versus a rep of the year. When you're established in the company, you might be going across the whole sales force and you might be competing for that award versus uh, a couple hundred reps. So I feel like that's the main difference, but to win the awards, it's just dedication, hard work and making yourself likable to your customers. And uh, I think in the first year, building relationships, one of the toughest parts, yeah. just being a new, new face, um, especially if you might not answer some questions as well as a more seasoned rep, you might, you know, get told to not come back here again or not even take a phone call. So I think just building the relationships and even if you don't know the answer, just letting your customer know like, Hey, I don't know, but I'll get, I'll get back to you as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, I think goes a long way and just being transparent with them. I think they really appreciate I love that. And yeah, I always tell people you don't know what you don't know until you're, you're in the fire and then you you learn it. And like you said, just being honest with people, I think is a huge part of it is because you're dealing with educated individuals. You know, they can, they can tell when you're not telling the truth or when you're like, Oh yeah. And they're, and the, my favorite part about it is if you kind of guess and you're not confident, they're going to grill you. They're going to yeah. make sure you do know what you're talking about. So yeah, yeah, I think that was a great point that you, you broke in. And now can you tell us, you know, we were talking a little off camera that, you know, we get hit up about, Hey, what's an average day look like? What's your hours? You know, a lot of people reach out, sadly think this is a, a nine to five job and it's going to work 30, 40 hours. And it's, it's not that. And I would love to just hear kind of what an average day start time, what it looks like and knowing that every day is different. Yeah. Every day is certainly different. You, you have fires um, come up unexpectedly. So I, I typically start my day at six. Our Chicago office, depending on the time of year is open an hour or two hours ahead of Arizona time. So I always try getting up and awake and ready to go while I start getting responses back from our corporate office. Um, and, and early mornings are good for me. I just feel like I have less distractions or less emails from customers coming in. So I get done what I want to get done. But I would say a typical day is uh, six to five now. Mm-hmm. However, when I first started, um, I, I signed on as commission only. So I was, even though I may not had to have worked, I wanted to always be working. So yep. I was working probably seven days a week, Saturday, Sunday, Sundays, just being prepared as possible for the upcoming week. And then making sure if I wanted to grow the business, I wasn't waiting on myself or, or anyone in the company. It was always, I was waiting on a customer to get back to me. So I always wanted to stay ahead, be prepared. Um, so I was probably working seven, six days a week for the first year. Um, now that I have a more established relationships and territories, I've, I've probably cut back um, to like a six to five time. Um, but I, I always make sure I'm, I'm planning the week ahead. So that way I go into the week. If a fire does come up, I have backup plans or, you know, always something to do and not just like throwing off and derailing my, my schedule or my day. I love that. And, and everybody who's listening, you know, Ricky says that six to five now because he's put in so much time, but just understanding too, that each division is so different, you know, like a, a trauma division is going to have different hours than, you know, maybe someone in uh, like uh, orthopedics or just someone in doing capital sales, you know, there's so many different divisions. Um, so I just put that out there for anyone who's listening. A lot of times I'll get asked and Ricky gets asked, you know, what's an average day look like or normal, it's going to be dependent on the division. And like he said, the, the amount of time you've been in, because you're going to still work a lot no matter what. But when you're first trying to get known, you're trying to introduce yourself to, to clients, you're trying to make those relationships. 
there's a lot of days that are going to take some time compared to, you know, maybe once you're three, four years in. Absolutely. That, that's a great point. And um, for us as a, a distributor, a lot of our sales are just through a website online. So there's, there's heavy times throughout the day from say eight to one o'clock because there's, there's a cutoff time to get their orders next day. So between eight and one, making sure they get their order out full for the next day, like that one o'clock noon crunch time of getting orders in before cutoff is typically every day, like the busiest part of the day. because you want to make sure that your order's submitted. If there's a, a scheduler, or a, a case that gets thrown on last minute, the surgery center might have to scramble for say, 30 to 50 different supplies that they might not have on hand that they need for tomorrow. And then it, it kind of snowballs into a, an urgent need at the time. And if, if you have three or four centers dealing with that or not being prepared on themselves, they rely on the rep to make sure they, you know, get their order in time and what they need for tomorrow and reroutes if it's coming from out of state, whatnot. I love that. And it sounds like you might deal with people who might be a little stressed at times. Always. Always. <laughs> And as sometimes you can't blame them. Like they, they might not know a, a doctor might throw a case on their schedule next day and not, not care if the center has what they need for the case, then uh, it just becomes, you know, high stress. So that that's definitely a part of the healthcare industry. I, I see there's resources that have made it better, but you, you definitely deal with a lot of fires and, and urgent needs, I would say almost every day. Yeah, I love that. And I just talk about it because no matter what part of the medical device sales world you're in, there's going to be those stressful times. You're going to be dealing with people who are stressed um, and they're dependent. So I just always like that. Just to put that out, anyone who's listening, you know, like we talk about, it is a, it is a high stress situation and you're going to be dealing with people who are stressed and just knowing that's part of the job. So I think that's just good for everyone to know. And then Ricky, especially since you are on some of these processes of getting people hired in the interview process. Can you tell us what you look for in candidates or what makes candidates stick out uh, between, you know, like just a, just a good candidate to a great candidate? Yeah, I think just the, the follow-up, um, the willingness to reach out and have some meaning behind reaching out. I, I get a lot of messages on LinkedIn and it's just like a, a quick sentence um, and attaching a resume, like, most of the time, I'm not going to you know, take a look at that. Like, yeah. I really liked your approach when we first met and you were trying to break in. Like, you, you took me out to coffee, got to learn a little bit about you and, and what motivates you. And for me, I'm always looking for not necessarily experience, but just someone that's like hungry and values hard work and, and is willing to learn, I think, trumps anything over experience. Because you could have experience by having a, a family friend or walking a job and just rolling by for 10 years. Um, and not mean anything. So I I feel that uh, for anyone applying, just do the best to highlight what you're doing. Don't take no's that you you don't fit the job and just eventually someone you're going to mesh with and someone's going to give you the opportunity to to work for them. So just be patient and know that you might not click with every manager that you're interviewing with. Uh, That's a great point. A lot of interviews, um, they will talk you out of the job, try and throw everything at you on why you're not a good fit. So just be prepared for those questions that are thrown at you um, and that you know you want the job. And that's just part of a lot of interviewing questions is talking you out of why you shouldn't do it. I love that, man. And I'm so glad you said that because we haven't had anyone say that yet on the podcast. And that's just a great point is I tell people, 
like you said, talk them out. I always will tell people like they find your weakness and everyone has a weakness. Doesn't matter what you do. You have a weakness and then they just grip onto it. And for the next 30 minutes to hour, hang on. Cause you better have your punching bag on or your punching gloves on. And yeah. so I think that's a great point that you just put up, man. Yeah. Know your values. Cause if, if they start grilling on, like, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't want to work uh, six, seven days a week or be on call um, or, or work 60 hours a week. And, and they, they could get you to, to start thinking. So just as long as you know your core values, just stick to them and and don't let those questions derail you throughout the interviewing process. That's awesome. And also one thing I want to touch on what you said is the resume part. That's something I've told a lot of people who reach out to me. Um, for me, I always would like my approach with you is and with everybody I reached out to was, you know, try to make a connection somewhere, you know, like saw that you were a personal trainer, you know, try to make that connection that we had at least common ground and then make the relationship of like, I always just put my number out there uh, to everyone listening. I, wh- this is just my personal take um, is if you just send out a resume and you've never even spoke to the person and you don't really know them, it just comes off like here, just help me. I, I yeah. you like, and my thing is always, you have to be genuine in your approach. Like I was so sincere when I was like, for you, I wanted to just learn. And I knew that you had offer and you, you had been in my shoes, man. You were a personal trainer. I was a personal trainer, trying to break in and that you were an awesome rep. And I just wanted to learn from you. So everyone who's listening, I just always want to touch on that is, you know, don't just take, there's gotta be something that, you know, you got to look more than you're just like, here, help me out. Give me your resume. I always told people, I would give my phone number. So if they wanted to call me uh, after my message was there, we could talk about it, but always wait to give their resume until they ask for it. Um, because then you know if they're interested in you or not. Absolutely. And I think if you can connect with someone locally, like a local rep, um, maybe not even the company you're applying for, just to learn more about the industry, um, like you did, you know, taking someone out for coffee, giving them a reason to like be motivated to to go out and meet you and, and learn um, go, goes a long way. I love that. And, and just speaking on that, taking them out for coffee to everybody, I can say sometimes I meet people who are really stingy on their money. And let me tell you, I am a stingy person on my <laughs> money, but you got to think of like the investments, right? Like I value people's time and the fact that it was, you know, just coffee, I would have done a whole meal and all of that because it's like, it's the investment that you're making in yourself to eventually get a great job and a career that, will pay you back plenty of your coffee uh, reimbursements and all that. So I always say that to everybody. Again, Ricky, man, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your experience and your value to our listeners. It it truly means a lot to have someone in your position uh, being able to come and and tell us what you're looking for and also just share your journey about breaking in. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. And I I love what you're doing. I I hopefully, you know, you see more and more viewers and hopefully this, at least you take something away from these. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. I appreciate you so much. And everybody who's listening again, thank you for just taking the time. I hope this was super helpful. Again, if you guys have the time, please go check out my new book. If you are thinking about it again, this is for that person who is really interested in learning about medical device sales and also someone who maybe doesn't have the traditional B2B sales experience or they they do, but they're just having trouble getting interviews. I gave everything I did to get four job offers from top 30 companies. So check that out. Again, if you guys are watching, please press the like and subscribe button. The five stars helps us out. I appreciate you guys and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.